Welcome to the Full Press Fantasy Podcast, part of the Full Press Radio Network. My name is Kyle, and while none of my co-hosts are here, I'm not necessarily riding solo. Joining me today is a member of the Full Press Coverage family. He is a contributor and writer for Full Press Coverage Cowboys and host of the Two Point Cowboys podcast. So everyone, please give a warm welcome to Will Steele. Hey guys, how are you doing? I am honored actually to be on here. This is my first time joining the FPC Fantasy Podcast. It will, and we're really glad to have you. This is part of our team-by-team preview of the season, just talking about fantasy-relevant players, training camp battles, uh, and at this point now, preseason. Uh, so thank you for representing the Cowboys and making this episode complete. Yeah, no problem at all, man. No problem at all. I'm, I'm excited. Excited to be here. Uh, so, so far for all these episodes, we've always started with the same question. Is there any news that's taken place in the last couple days that we need to know about regarding the Dallas Cowboys? Well, I guess the elephant in the room is the, uh, the Ezekiel Elliott contract, right? There's really nothing new on it. It's standstill. He wants X amount of dollars. Front office wants to give him X amount of dollars. And they're just kind of fighting over the... The, the tiny details of the situation. So there really isn't any big news in regards to it, but that is the uh, most newsworthy thing going on in Dallas right now, because obviously with Zeke Elliott, the Cowboys are a championship contender without him. Eh, they're looking at an average to below average team. Probably that's the take, right? So we'll see, but there's a guy we're going to talk about here that everyone's excited about around Dallas in case Zeke isn't there. Well, uh, I guess that was the that was the first question on the docket was Zeke's status. I think it was the, the first question in everyone's mind, and he's mm-hmm. potentially a first overall pick in in some fantasy drafts. So, don't keep us in suspense any longer. Who is this uh, person <laughs> that we should all be excited for? Well, listen, if you guys haven't done your research, you might want to go look up Tony Pollard. Okay, coming into camp, he wasn't the starter, but um, to me, immediately when he was drafted. I had a feeling that this guy was going to be utilized and not just as a handcuff to Zeke for fantasy purposes. He is a dual threat running back, and he's not your normal Lance Dunbar type of guy that Dallas has had over the years. We're all going to do is throw him the ball. He's not a little guy who's like a little gadget player who's 5'9", 180 pounds soaking wet. No, he is six foot, 210 pounds. <laughs> this is a bigger guy who in college had over 120 receptions, over 1,200 receiving yards, and I believe nine touchdowns through the air. So he can get the job done either through the air or on the ground. He also had over nine touchdowns on the ground and over uh, about 1,000 yards uh, rushing. Now, he did share the backfield with some other high-profile running backs at Memphis, so he didn't get a lot of carries, but he is a multifaceted type of back. So that's the guy I will keep my eye on for fantasy purposes. And obviously right now without Ezekiel Elliott, He's the lead man. He took over the starting position right now for uh, Darius Jackson, who was about a three-year vet. So Tony Pollard, guys, if you if you don't know, go look him up. Look at his highlights. Uh, check out a couple of his carries from last night's game, and uh, you know, put him on your queue in that in that fantasy draft if you haven't done it yet. Ezekiel Elliott's probably going to get drafted. I mean, with a, a holdout, sure. he, he can he can literally end it at any time. It's not like let's say the Kareem Hunt suspension where he. He, he actually isn't allowed to be with the team until I think it's week 10, right? So Correct. for both Ezekiel Elliott and Melvin Gordon, and we'll get into this on the Chargers episode, but those guys can end it at any moment. So as much as I, I wouldn't really feel comfortable taking Zeke in the first four picks, I mean, towards the end of the first, if I can pair him with another solid running back and get guarantee that, I, I'd consider that. And I think for those people especially, that those are the, it's really important to maybe take an, a 
earlier go on Pollard than what was needed. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily know if I would reach for Tony Pollard right now uh, due to the uncertainty around the Zeke situation and honestly the uncertainty around the coaching situation, right? Uh, previous years we had Scott Linehan as our coach, and he did ride with the horse, you know, with his main guy. But this is Kellen Moore's show now, and we don't know how he's going to use that second back. So I would take him towards the end of the, of the draft, if, if I could, if you had that opportunity to do it. Uh, I got a feeling he'll go on drafts in the most leagues, but there will be some leagues where people are nervous about this Ezekiel Elliott situation, and they'll, they'll draft him. But as a Cowboys fan, I do think Zeke will sign. He will get a contract done, and he'll be in camp. He'll be there for, for maybe not camp, but he'll be there for week one. So all this is kind of a little bit of fluff in a sense. So, you know, don't, don't reach for Tony Pollard. But just keep him, you know, in the queue just in case, because Kellen Moore did say he wanted to use him like Alvin Kamara uh, when he was used with uh, Mark Ingram. And if that's the case, he's someone you kind of want to keep your eyes on. Hmm. I know uh, for myself, doing my own personal research on rookie running backs this year uh, before the draft, I Pollard wasn't really on my radar. And then suddenly right. the Cowboys, what, took him in the fourth round? Yes. And it, I know for me, it opened my eyes and it probably forced a lot of people to take a look at this guy. And I saw without a huge amount of rushing production, he still looked pretty good running the football. And uh, But clearly, his specialty is catching out of the backfield and running routes out of the backfield, and he does that extremely well. Yeah, he's abs- he probably was one of the better pass-catching, if not the best pass-catching uh, running back coming out in the draft. Honestly, like I said, over 120 receptions in, co- in his college career. You don't see that often from <laughs> no. you know, main running back, so yeah. I think the only running back this year that came out that was more prolific in the passing game was James Williams, and he was he went undrafted. And mm. he, even though he signed on with the Chiefs, he was cut before training camp started. So yeah, yeah with, I mean, Dar- I was, with, with Darren Thompson over there in Kansas City, it's going to be tough. For well, that yeah, backup. It, yeah, with already having Damian Williams, Carlos Hyde, and mm. Darren Williams, who did look good at times last year. I mean, it seemed like yeah, he was probably going to have to beat out the other rookie to get that fourth job, but clearly they didn't think he it was it was even close, close enough for them to even keep him. So yeah. So it looks like Pollard, uh, actually when he first got drafted and first was hearing about this and looking at tape, my thought was kind of, a, Oh, what look, I look what they did with tape on Austin last year, mm-hmm. uh, kind of stretching the field with a, a, you know, bit of a speedier guy out of the backfield. Yeah. But we, we there was as Cowboys fans, we heard that comparison and our running backs coach, Gary Brown, kind of he, he kind of wanted to shut that down and let people know, hey, this guy is not a, a gadget player. He's not a trick player. He's not going to come in for two plays, run an engine around, and, and run a fly, and that's it. He's at, they're going to utilize this guy as a true and true running back. And, and, and honestly, right now, if you, if, if you go out there, guys, and you, and you research, you'll see that he's been used on the field uh, with other running backs. So. When Zeke comes back, it's very possible he'll be on the field at the same time as Ezekiel Elliott. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, and I, I guess the major difference between the two is Tavon Austin was a receiver who could run right. the football, whereas Tony Pollard's a running back who can catch the football. And that's sort of, I mean, there's a lot of running backs that have to be able to do that. It's part of the 21st century NFL football. Your running back <laughs> yeah. has to be able to catch. So it does seem like it's, it's less gadget and it's more just that's the way running backs are. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Now, assuming Ezekiel Elliott does come back, he caught what sixty-six passes last year, which was a career high. Career high, yes, I believe almost about almost seventy. Yeah, yeah, I think he got over ninety targets. Mm-hmm. Uh, was actually second on the team last year, I believe. Yep. Now, with Pollard being there, would that eat into Zeke's reception work, or 
would it more come at the cost of others like say like a Randall Cobb? No, I absolutely do think Pollard is going to be utilized in the passing game. So I think it will. I think it'll have a direct effect on Ezekiel Elliott's receptions, on his targets too. Does that mean, you know, don't take Zeke in your top five if he comes back? No, it doesn't mean that at all because because he's that good. Um, However, Tony Pollard will eat into that. Um, I don't really see him eating into, say, a Randall Cobb or a Michael Gallup because the system that we run is still Jason Garrett's system. It's a number system, and it's a target share system, believe it or not, outside of that dominant number one, which we, we now have in Cooper. So they're going to get their fair share. In my opinion, Pollard's going to get his fair share of design passing plays. So when you're getting you know, the plays designed to you, you're not just getting dumped off, uh, getting a check down. That's going to eat into your number one running back. That similar to a um, Austin Eckler, and we we're just talking about it with the Chargers. He's going to come in. He's going to have design plays in him going to passing game because he's quick, he's shifty, and he's a, he's a change of pace back. That's kind of going to eat into Melvin Gordon. But when we get down to the 15, 20 yard line, 10 yard line, Gordon or Zeke, they're going to get in the game and score the touchdown. And th- all this talk about receiving now kind of leads me to the next question. You've already mentioned Amari Cooper is the number one target on the team. And I think mm-hmm. that's pretty well established. I mean, even in half a season last year, he led the team in targets. So we can only imagine what a full season is going to look like. Right. If you had to guess right now, who do you think is the number two target at the end of the year? I actually had kind of a, a debate yeah, yesterday on one of my shows that I did um, in regards to who's going to be that secondary player, right? That secondary player that's going to garner the most attention fantasy-wise outside of your Ezekiel Elliott, Mark Cooper, your Dak Prescott. And I, and I was juggling between Randall Cobb and Michael Gallup. And here's why. Michael Gallup is going to stretch the field. He's going to get some explosive plays. He's a very polished route runner. He's a really good receiver. However, when you're in the system that we're in with a mainly a running team, it's hard for me to fathom that a second receiver in our system is going to have this just dominant year or even even a, a year where it's going to be worthy to start him more often than not. You're probably not. Right. So the guy that I think is going to have a sneaky productive, you know, as a secondary role fantasy wise in Dallas is Randall Cobb because he's coming in for Cole Beasley, who was the safety blanket for Dak Prescott over the last three years. But the difference between Cole and Randall Cobb is that Cole Beasley was quick. He was shifty. He'd get the ball and he'd go down more often than not. Randall Cobb is one of the best yak receivers in the nfl since he stepped in in fact i believe he ranks in the top 10 in in, uh, yards after the catch since he's been in the league and he can take things to the house remember that play last year i think it was the first week against the bears he took one for like 70 yards or something like that so he he can do that more often than not so i'm i'm going to say look out for randall cobb i'm not saying reach for him but if you got an opportunity to get him at in a value spot snag him and see what happens with him in the first few weeks of the season he could be that security blanket are we seeing something with him with Cobb where it's going to be like five six uh, receptions a game and you know if he does get enough yards on one of them it'll be a pretty productive fantasy day I think you'll have days or nights like that he'll have days where he'll have five and six receptions you know 60 70 yards maybe a touchdown not a lot not a lot of those because you know like I said Amari Cooper is going to get a lot of that and, and Zeke Elliott's going to get a lot of that. And even old reliable Jason Wynn is going to get some of that. But there's going to be those days where Cooper's getting double. You know, Zeke's not having a great day. Uh, Witten's only catching, you know, eight yarders and going down. And, and Randall Cobb has that experience outside and inside. And he can go to Dak and say, hey, I got my guy beat here. Let's do this. Let's do that. And boom, next thing you know, he's got five receptions, 
60 yards and a touchdown. So I think you'll have those days, yeah. So I, I would go with Randall Cobb right now, but depending on what type of league you're in, uh, Michael Gallup is ob- is obviously the future guy you want to take for, say, dynasty leagues. Okay, and that's a good point. That, you know, Gallup being the, the young receiver here, I mean, not that Cobb's that old, but it, I think he's he's 30 now, I believe. So yeah, 29, he's going on 30, but he's only under contract for one year in Dallas. So uh-huh. that's kind of important there. And, I mean, Jason Witten... I mean, I was surprised he came back <laughs> returned this year. He's already retired once, so I'm just yeah. as surprised as you. <laughs> so yeah, looking dynasty wise and long term, Gallup does seem like the answer. I mean, of all their main players, he's signed the longest because we know that all these contract things with Zeke and Dak and Cooper coming up. Mm. Yeah, over reliable. They call him Gold Jacket Wit. He, you know, it's a good story, but I don't know if Jason Witten is the guy I would actually want in Dallas at tight end. Yeah. Ah, okay. And you're already answering the question I was about to ask. So uh, <laughs> you're doing great at this. You can tell you've been on podcasts before. <laughs> and you host one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, there's a guy out there, guys, uh, Blake Jarwin. He came on last year. He had a huge, huge game in the week 17 with three touchdowns uh, to end the season. That kind of you know popped on everyone's radar. Oh, my God, who's this guy? Um Throughout the year, though, he, you know, we didn't really do much to the tight ends. But here's the thing. Is there a tight end I would actually draft in Dallas? There is not. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Here's why. None of the tight ends, even with J- Jason Witten, are utilized like, say, a uh, Gronkowski or a Kittle or an Ertz. They are not a primary factor in the offense. They just aren't. And under Jason Garrett, for whatever reason, he just doesn't like athletic tight ends. It's mind-boggling. I'm not saying Blake Jarwin isn't athletic enough, but he's not Jimmy Graham in his prime, you know, Robert Gronkowski, these type of guys. These guys are just kind of going to catch the ball, get a couple yards and go down, and they're going to see maybe five, six targets a game. It's not going to be anything eye-popping. But if you had to say, hey, who do you want in Dallas at tight end? I'd say give me Blake Jarwin because I think he'll take over Jason Witten before you know it, which may be a surprise to some because Jason Witten, you know, he had over 90% of the snaps in his career in Dallas, about 98 to be exact. Um, but I think things are different. He's 37. He's over the hill. He's probably slower, believe it or not. <laughs> so that's it's going to be tough for, for Witten really to garner any fantasy activity for me in any of these drafts. And, I mean, Jason Witten's always been one of the best blocking tight ends in the league. Do you mm. think his return to the team is more about that role than it is about his pass-catching role? No, I, I think his return is is due to what we saw last year. It was kind of a, a direct uh, effect from the tight end group being a lackluster. It, it, it just really wasn't that great. Um, I, I don't know if it's because of the play calling, it's because of the system, but there wasn't a tight end that stood out until later in the year. Blake Jarwin did turn on. I know he, you know, the big game in week 17, but if you look at his last four weeks of the year, he put the best four game stretch he's had of his career, the two year career he had. So, you know, there's some hope there, but I don't think Dallas wanted to go into the season saying, Hey, our tight ends are Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin of a fifth round pick and an undrafted free agent who probably has less career catches and then Jason Witten has in like a three-game stretch. So, you know, I don't think they wanted to do that. And they figured, hey, let's get this veteran back in here. He can help groom him if he understands. And uh, if, if he understands his role, excuse me, and that'll help us as a team 
not just that position group. So, yeah, I don't think he's here to be the guy, but I think he's here to be a part of the group, which is different. He was never a part of the group. He was the group. Yeah, that's true. When you're saying 98% of snaps, like you're really not leaving much to anyone else. And I mean, with the amount Dallas runs, running two tight end sets isn't out of the question, I don't think. Do you expect that that's a formation they'll do? Or will it be more often the three wide receivers sets? Well, Dallas runs a lot of 12. Uh, I think they were about middle of the pack last year. Previous years, they were one of the most, they ran 12 a lot. So I, I don't think they're going to run, you know, two tight end sets, you know, and use it as, you know, a main staple of the offense and, and then, you know, designate the second tight end as a go-to guy. No, I don't really see that being a thing. So if they run two tight end sets, probably over 70% of the time, they're actually running the ball anyway, so. Yeah, I, yeah, that would be, I think, why they used to do it so much, mm-hmm. especially before um, before Jarwin got there and there really wasn't any other pass-catching tight ends. Like you mentioned, not only did Witten monopolize uh, snaps, but, I mean, he got pretty much every tight end target because any other tight end they have was just another blocker. Yep, yep. Even when uh, Martellus Bennett was there, who was probably our best second tight end we've ever had, he was mainly a blocking guy outside of his rookie year where he caught four touchdowns. He was just there to block. It's true. Yeah, I guess he didn't really have his uh, offensive fantasy year explosion until he got to Chicago. Yep. Yeah, I mean, he had a pretty good year in, in, in New York that one year he was in New York, too. Oh, yeah, that's true. He did, yeah, that's right. Forgot about that one. <laughs> yeah, it was this one short, quick year. <laughs> I'm I'm a Packers fan, so like I I just remember the Seaman Bears jersey all the time, and then seeing how useless he was for the Packers, and and then him oh, winning yeah. Super Bowls with the Patriots. Those are literally. Then he wins Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. There's no, nothing ever positive. Isn't that how uh, funny how it works out? Huh? Yeah. Uh, so I guess uh, the main questions are done. I know one thing that we've been asking all our guests on these episodes is, uh, is there a dark horse candidate that? really fantasy people aren't mentioning. You've already mentioned Tony Pollard and you referenced Blake Jarwin. Is there a third guy or do you want to just highlight Pollard again? Well, I don't know if this is cheating or not here, but the reason why I'm going to go with this guy as a dark horse is because, you know, the flack he's been getting all off season due to the contract negotiations, due to the position he plays and the team he plays for a dark horse guy. And, and listen to me guys out there and girls who play fantasy football, Dak Prescott, I know he's a quarterback. I know, you know, I know it's, oh, he's not a dark horse. He's a quarterback. He's Dak Prescott. He is a dark horse because he's not getting the respect I think he is owed in the fantasy world. And in real life, too. But even in the fantasy world, Dak Prescott has finished top 10, granted 10th (laughs) in certain cases the last two years, as a fantasy quarterback three years in a row. He's been in the league for three years. And I think he's only going to get better this year. And he has an offensive coordinator that is willing to work with him this year, that's willing to open it up, that's going to tailor to his game more. So I think Dak is going to have a, a better year than he's had. And he's the only quarterback in the history of the league that's had over 20 passing touchdowns and six rushing touchdowns for three straight years. And that is fantasy gold. If you have a, a quarterback and get you 20-some touchdowns and get you over five rushing touchdowns, you want that guy on your team. You want, And he's not going to throw a ton of picks. He's not. He's thrown four, eight, and 13 picks in his career. So he's not going to turn the ball over a ton. He's going to score touchdowns. He has a new offensive coordinator that the league hasn't seen. So I think Dak Prescott is a sneaky dark horse to be a top five fantasy quarterback. I know know, I'm not a homer or anything, but I really do think that because he has Amari Cooper all year. If he gets Ezekiel Elliott back, he'll have Ezekiel Elliott, one of the best lines in the league. 
and an offensive coordinator that is willing to open it up for him. And if you don't believe me, go watch, go look at his stats when he got Amari Cooper. He was one of the best fantasy quarterbacks in the entire league. Oh, and he led the league in the playoffs in QBR. So I'm telling you guys, Dak Prescott is a dark horse. If you got a chance to get him in the middle rounds, trust me, take him and you'll be happy. Actually, it's funny that you mentioned this. We just released uh, an episode of the Full Press Fantasy Podcast. It was uh, an episode where we explored uh, the Superflex format with the three co-hosts of the Superflex Super Show. And uh, Stompy, one of the, the co-hosts, he also mentioned Dak having top five fantasy quarterback upside for Dak. So mm-hmm. you're not alone in thinking that. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that's just a homer statement. Well, um, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear someone else has that same thought as me. Well, and it's funny when you talk about like Dak with six touchdowns, right? Every year, rushing touchdowns, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, six rushing touchdowns. He actually, and I, I just looked it up. He actually had his most rushing attempts last season, seventy-five carries after mm-hmm. having only just over fifty the previous two seasons. So usually, what I've noticed a lot is rookie quarterbacks run the most in, in their mm-hmm. rookie year, not so much the the second and third year. Yep. But it seems like that's a consistent part of his game. Uh, the one that comes to my mind is Jameis Winston in a. I remember 2015, that was all Cam Newton's year, right? The 10 rushing yes. touchdowns. I think he had about over 30 passing and you know, clearly the MVP, right? Uh, second that year in rushing touchdowns among quarterbacks was rookie Jameis Winston. He had six rushing mm-hmm. touchdowns. Uh, since then, he's had one every season. He's only had three more since that, that rookie year. And he definitely has been running a little less. His, I mean, he never had more attempts than he did in his rookie year. Granted, the next year he only had one less attempt, but... Still, it seemed like his best productive rushing year was his rookie year. And I think at this point, Dak's already shown much more of a passer than, than Jameis Winston has, at least in terms of decision making and, and yeah. being a field general, not necessarily arm talent. Right. Uh, you know, if, if Dak was ever going to regress rushing wise, he probably would have already started to do that. So the fact Absolutely. that he is that consistent, it's kind of something you can you can bank on. So I definitely I know I have him in a couple leagues and I kind of have that expectation that he will be another you know borderline qb1 qb2 i mean like you mentioned he's been a a top 10 quarterback every year so uh and while it's never been top six or even top eight i think he was he was pushing top six his rookie year that was that was that year he had you know 22 and four and six rushing touchdowns yeah that was the closest he's been to top five was his rookie year yeah and uh, but if you can i mean if you can get a a quarterback one every season and get that guarantee that's that's pretty great because i feel like the other guys that to get a guaranteed quarterback one every year, how, how it has been and get that consistency. You're paying up for a guy like Aaron Rodgers or Andrew Luck. Oh, you got to take higher. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So Dak's a great late candidate. You know, I think he's going around probably later than where Jameis Winston's going. And perhaps Jameis Winston has more overall upside, but I think the floor is much higher with Dak. Yeah. I think with, I think the Winston, I don't want to call it hype, but the Winston stuff is due to Bruce Arians. Uh, you yep. know, wherever Bruce goes, he pretty much produces some solid fantasy quarterback. So, and Winston has the arm talent. They're going to sling the rock. They don't have a running back really to, you know, put their, you know, their hat on. So, yeah, I can see, I can see that. I ain't mad at that, but I'm telling you, <laughs> and you have him in a few leagues. You said Dak is going to. I'm telling you, Dak is really going to be another top ten fantasy quarterback. He, he has, he's delivered. He's delivered that. Yeah, it'd uh, be hard to doubt him now. Now that he's done it so much, so right. So, uh... You know, he, at this point, he has to prove that he can't be a, a quarterback one, I think, more than that he can. Totally agree, man. All right. Well, this was uh, this is awesome. Well, is there any uh, last remarks you want to make about the Cowboys? 
Um, I think we touched on pretty much everything fantasy-wise. There's not a ton of them. There's more fantasy value players we have this year uh, than it was last year. It was you know, Cobb, now Gallup in the second year, full year of Mari Cooper, Dak and Zeke. But leading into the year, you know, in 2018, um, it, it was it was very bleak. So I'm just excited to kind of, fantasy-wise, I'm excited to see who stands out outside of the top three, the big three. Because I think we will get at least one. At least one player will stand out outside of those big three that will become maybe a key uh, component in your fantasy league. Well, excellent. Thank you. And again, thank you very much, Will, for coming on. Uh, do you want to plug anything, uh, your podcast that you do, your Twitter account? Yeah, sure. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Because Cowboys. Uh, if you're on Facebook, I help run a Facebook page, uh, Dallas Cowboys True Fans. That's facebook.com slash DC True Fans. Um, and you can look out for our podcast that I'm going to be doing. Uh, I'm going to be doing multiple podcasts this year, actually, with different people. But the main one we do is Two Point Cowboys Podcast, and I go live on Facebook streaming that. And normally I just do some Facebook lives on uh, the DC True Fans page. So you guys can keep up with me throughout those various outlets. And um, thank you so much for letting me come on. Um, I look forward to uh, you know listening to this podcast and um, look forward to listening to the other ones too. I want to know what's going on around the league, who look, guys I got to look out for and <laughs> for my future drafts. Yeah, we have a lot of great talent at full press coverage and a lot of guys that and, and girls that know – uh, what's going on with their respective teams so it's uh it's been a fun process so far and i'm looking forward to getting to edit all these and and release them awesome man thank you much man yeah this was the full press fantasy podcast we're part of the full press radio network uh be sure to follow the entire full press coverage family at fp coverage uh, you can follow the podcast at fpc underscore fantasy pod on behalf of my uh two absentee co-hosts alessandro <laughs> senator at am underscore senator and dean williams at fpc eagles my name is kyle senra we found at yama underscore ks n-y-a-m-a underscore ks thank you will and thank you our lovely crowd and lovely audience for listening to the full press fantasy podcast